Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 128 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. Our guest today is Heather Mullins of Real America's Voice Television Network, who will talk to us about their Save America Freedom Tour, which comes to Hot Springs, Arkansas tonight. But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, I'm the only conservative running for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas. If you'd like to support our our campaign, go to electdocwashburn.com. So I had a great time on with Ed Henry and Karen Turk on the morning show on Real America's Voice this morning. And now it is my honor to welcome Heather Mullins, news correspondent for Real America's Voice, to the program. Heather, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, how lucky are you? Karen and Ed are like two of my favorites at the network. So that must have been awesome. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was great. They, <laughs> I wish I could have been there with them because they were sitting a, a, in a restaurant on the beach in Florida. Uh, but I, oh, I was way over here and they were way over there. And we had a great time for a few minutes this morning. I know, right? You got the beaches there. And uh, last night where we had thunder, tornado warning. <laughs> oh, yeah. it was, uh, The weather's been crazy here in Arkansas. Um, so tell folks about the Save America Freedom Tour and what they can expect when they come to the First Nazarene Church, uh, 2604, wait a minute, I'm sorry, 2804 Central Avenue in, in Hot Springs this evening. All right, so it's going to be great. I think it might be 3804 Central Ave, according to, to our infographic. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. I, I'm looking <laughs> if, uh, I'm looking at the other computer screen, and the and the letters are kind of small, and uh, I need new glasses. So you're right, it's 3804. We, we just want people to get to the right place, because what they're going to get is they're going to get uh, myself, uh, ben Bergquam, who's done some great border wall coverage for our network. And then we have Jeremy Harrell from our network that's going to be coming in as well. Uh, he has a show live from America that broadcasts out of New Hampshire. That's incredible. Um, we're also going to have, like, a panel. Uh, you're going to be on that panel. We've got Jan Morgan, Judge Joseph Wood, Pastor Ken Carney, Senator Alan Clark, and Iverson Jackson. So it's really going to be, we're going to cover a whole host of topics. Uh, it, it starts at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and we're going to basically expose the propaganda that gets put out about everything, whether it's the border, the election. Um, that's my area of expertise as I've been digging into the 2020 election investigations for almost two years now, um, and, you know, the vaccines as well. So it'll be nice to have all of these freedom fighters such as yourself weigh in on some of these important issues. Absolutely, and I'm the candidate for governor of Arkansas who's not afraid to say that the election was stolen. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, several of our other speakers, I'm sure will say the same thing. Um, so th- this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, Jan Morgan is going to be there. Of course, she is the, uh, the candidate for, uh, for United States Senate who is challenging our incumbent rhino Senator John Bozeman, uh, for the mm-hmm. Republican nomination for, for United States Senate. So, you know, you, your specialty, uh, you've been digging into the, 2020 election for the past couple of years. What have you come up with? So one of the the big things that's going to be coming out soon, um, a group that I uh, sort of like, I work with a lot of groups because there's a lot of people digging in in different areas. And one of the groups I worked with is called True the Vote. And they did um, a huge investigation into illegal ballot harvesting scheme. Um, We call it ballot trafficking because at the end of the day, we don't know where those ballots came from and whether or not they were legal or not. So like this is like the whole thing about, but the entire organization of that, that scheme is in fact illegal, right? So like what's one more lot of break if what you're doing is already a massive organized crime. And um, so there's a movie uh, coming out the first week of May called 2000 Mules, which highlights their investigation. And what they did is they purchased cell phone data, like geolocation data, where your cell phone pings a location every three to five seconds. So this is how, like, things like Google Maps, if you're walking through a city, can track your phone, right, as you're walking. Yeah. Um, And what you can do is you can buy all those pings and use, like, a software program and set up what are called geofences around certain locations. This is how, let's say, it's... Uh, for example, if you're searching for houses on a real estate app, you can set up a little geofence and only houses in that area will pop up. Yeah. So they did the same thing, but they set these fences up around drop boxes during the early voting period, and they purchased all the data, and they found that each cell phone has its own like unique identifier, and that some of these phones went to an average of 25 to 26 drop boxes apiece during the early voting period. And the second part to this is that they set up geofences around certain organizations, um, you know, one of which that came out on a podcast recently, Charlie Kirk unveiled that it was Stacey Abrams headquarters in Georgia. And so all of these mules that they call them were going from Dropbox to Dropbox to Dropbox, as well as going to Stacey Abrams headquarters and a couple other organizations. And so this is a huge deal that's going to be coming out in this movie and um i have a whistleblower that that i got to interview who's also going to be in this movie as well um but it's going to show you that all these claims that there was no fraud in the election that there was no you know shenanigans like this is indisputable video evidence because oh that's what i left out we got the corresponding video footage of these people putting them in the drop boxes that correspond with the cell phone pings Wow! Wow! So like and this is coming out in a film. And this is Dinesh D'Souza's new movie. Two, oh, what is it called? Two Thousand Mules. Two Thousand. Yep. And it's coming out uh, next next week. First week of May. Gotcha! Gotcha! First week of May. So just right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. that was remarkable. Uh, that that somebody had the well, I guess Dinesh and his team had had the. Uh, um, you know the foresight, the insight, the uh, the creativity to come up with this idea, because you know we, well, so we the, the idea. I will point out the idea itself is is true. The votes, Catherine Engelbrecht and um, their lead investigator Greg Phillips. Who's oh, okay. The movie teamed up with Dinesh, and Dinesh used his uh, movie production skills to help help tell the story. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that that does make sense. That does make sense. Catherine Engelbrecht uh, has been looking into election integrity for for years. And if I recall correctly, uh, some years back, uh, Barack Obama had the IRS go after her, uh, all kinds of audits and stuff. So I would be surprised. Yeah, yeah. They go after them as well. I mean, they're but they're too. Having worked with them and spoken with them, like their level of professionalism is unmatched. Like they dot their eyes, cross their keys, they get receipts, they don't assume outcomes. They're very, very good at what they do, and I've just been blessed to be able to work with them and get to the bottom of what happened. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're looking forward to hearing about that, and and I guess a, a whole range of topics will be uh, covered tonight on on the panel mm-hmm. discussion. And absolutely. like you like you said, the uh, the event tonight, Real America's Voice, Save American Freedom Tour, the, the, the town hall in Arkansas, gets started at 7 p.m. Eastern for our folks in Arkansas. Of course, at 6 p.m. Central. Um, uh, doors open, I believe, at, at, at 5.30. So to get a good seat, it would probably be a good idea to be there uh, by, by 5 Central at the, at the latest because uh, this is going to be a big deal. I, I'm really excited about it um, mm-hmm. because – there, there's so much that, that we need to get out there. One of the things that Real America's Voice does on a regular basis, one of the things I try to do on my podcast on a regular basis, is give the listeners and the viewers news they're not going to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the other cool part of this event is that in the second hour, we're actually going to have um, a live Q&A with our audience, where our audience is going to be able to come up and ask you questions, ask me questions, Jeremy, Ben, uh, and all the other candidates and stuff. So that's what we like to do is we like to hear directly from the people. Like what are the issues that are important? Because when you look at the way the media and social media has really used censorship as this weapon to censor all the things that are actually important to people, right? And they do that to create this illusion that people are alone in thought if you're concerned about the vaccines. You're alone in thought if you think there was election fraud. And so what we do is we're sort of like the antidote to that. And we show people that, look, like there's a huge group of people out there that all care about these issues too and that this stuff isn't that propaganda. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons that uh, uh, networks like Real America's Voice are taking off is because a lot of us on election night, November 2020, we're watching Fox News. We go to bed with Trump comfortably ahead in all these swing states. We wake up the next morning and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what's going on here? And then Fox, I think, called it for uh, for Biden that Saturday before even MSNBC or CNN. Rupert Murdoch's daughter-in-law goes on Twitter and says, we did it! And you find out that the... Uh, the guy in charge of the whole, um, you know, counting the, the, the votes and, and calling the states and everything for Fox was a, a liberal Democrat political activist. Um, and people like, yeah, I, I'm done. I'm done. i got to find an alternative. So I, I think it's wonderful that Real America's Voice is out there. Uh, I think it's fantastic that you guys are, are doing the Save American Freedom Tour. And we're, we're really looking forward to seeing you all in Hot Springs this evening, no question about it. Yeah, looking forward to having you there, too. Um, and it's funny because you mentioned how, like, basically overnight um, the election results completely switched. There's been so many studies that have actually come out um, by professionals that one of them analyzed all of the, the the voter turnout from 2016 to 2020, right, 
Republicans saw an increase. Democrats actually saw a decrease. Right. But what he did is he analyzed the only place that, that the Democrats actually had an increase in voter turnout were the precincts where voter fraud was alleged and only at the drop box, not in-person voting. Right. So this is a recent study that actually come out that corroborates that, like, you know, that, that very last minute, like, these drop boxes had massive numbers put in them right before, right at the, down to the wire, right? And the other thing is, is the, the voting machine. There's a lot of people that are afraid to talk about the voting machines. But there's a federal lawsuit right now out of Georgia where a professor at, I think it's the University of Michigan, or Michigan University, however it goes, he wrote a whole report on how you can actually pro- use these machines to switch votes. And you can, that, that you can exploit the machines using, like, the software. And this is a sealed report right now that the federal government has asked the judge not to release, saying it could compromise the election security. Oh, good grief. And this, this is the same agency where, that Chris Krebs was director of who said this was the most secure election in U.S. history. So, like, a lot not making up there, but we can unpack a lot more of that tonight yeah. at our town hall. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that, that recent study that came out, I remember seeing something about the Washington Times a week or two ago. Uh, Dr. John mm-hmm. R. Lott Jr., the same guy that back in the 90s wrote the book uh, More Guns, Less Crime, did this just forensic study, and, and it was remarkable. It's like you said, Democrat voting from 2016 to 2020 was down. Republican voting was up. Democrat voting was down, except in the areas where voter fraud is alleged, and that's where it was through the roof, unlike the whole rest of the country. You know, mm-hmm. and the Zuckerberg money is the other huge investigation right now. I mean, we're talking four hundred million dollars that this guy dumped into our election, and and that money came with strings attached. And in fact, Mark Zuckerberg hired one of Obama's former campaign managers to oversee the distribution of that money. Wow, wow! So it's a guy named David. Plus, who Mark Zuckerberg brought over to the the Chan Initiative, right? Which which he was handing out grants to all these other nonprofits on the ground, like the Center for Tech and Civic Life, yeah, and was distributing that money then to these key counties and cities. And what uh, Michael Gableman, who's a former Wisconsin Supreme Court judge, was hired by the Wisconsin Assembly to look into this money. And what he found is there's a few mayors in Wisconsin that are refusing to comply with his investigation, refusing to talk. There are a few that did. And what he found were the contracts that these mayors were engaged in when they accepted those funds were very, there was like two rounds of money. The first round was like smaller amounts where they gave like 20000 I think, per, per city and then 50000 to one city. And that all went like, Smoothly, no questions. The second round of money, which was distributed between these five cities, was $6.6 million. And that actually came with these long contracts that had all these stipulations of how the money got spent, that the nonprofits had to approve of how that money got spent, that if they wanted to hire, let's say, a cybersecurity to come in and use those funds, it would have to get approved by the nonprofit. And if any of those stipulations were not met, the counties or cities would have to pay every penny of that grant back, which means they would have to hire attorneys at the taxpayer's expense to fight it. And so really accepting that money allowed so much control to move 
from the election, the people elected to run the election or appointed to run the election to these nonprofit groups. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's insane stuff. So the corruption is, is baked in. Yep. Yep. So, and a lot of these drop boxes that the mules went to were the money to pay for those drop boxes. Some of it came from the Zuckerbox, they call it. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, it looks like uh, Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy, was basically bribing people. Yeah, and 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 here's here's what what I my my theory on this motive here. Like, if you remember when President Trump signed an executive order on like Section two thirty, where it removed protections for big tech companies, including Facebook, Twitter, um, that like shielded them from liability if they like were politically motivated and censorship and other things like that. They yeah. should then be sued. Um, well, Trump signed this executive order. That order would have cost companies like Facebook like so much money, uh, either through litigation. It was just like it was not good for Mark Zuckerberg, but it was good for America. So one of the first things Joe Biden did when he became president was reverse that. He did it within like the first few months. So it's sort of like, was this a business decision for Mark Zuckerberg where if I invest $400 million, I'm going to save more in the long run as a company because now I'm protected from this litigation? I yeah. mean, it, like, it's just what happened. I, like, you or me, if we were going to donate money for the election, like, we're capped out at a certain amount. Mark Zuckerberg gives $400 million. Right, right. Well, you know... Um... February of 2021, Time Magazine did a real long article, um, front page article, Time Magazine, explaining how they did it, explaining how they stole it. Except, of course, they said, we didn't steal it, but we had to fortify it because we couldn't take the chance of, you know, four more years of Donald Trump. So here's what we had to do, and here's how we did it. The the, the tech executives... um, the, the, the big multinational corporations, the liberal Democrat political activists, here's how we worked in concert to make sure that Trump wasn't going to have a chance, uh, hint, hint, no matter how many votes he got, you know. And they, they stole it and they bragged about it, except they used the word fortify the election instead of stealing the election. Yeah, no, 100% there were crimes committed. And the sad part about it is as of yet, there's no accountability. Like even you have examples in Racine County, uh, was it Racine County, where the sheriff. Wisconsin, yeah. Wisconsin, where the sheriff was approached by a family who said their loved one was in a nursing home. And several families, actually, and one of which had been ruled, like, cognitively impaired, like, they're by a a court, right, that they have no um, ability to make decisions. And the family says they don't even recognize their own family members. That's how bad they are on a cognitive level. Right. These same people found to have voted. Like, and so you have, like, that right there is elder abuse. I mean, like, like. And this sheriff is coming out saying, we investigated and this happened. How are you having these people that don't recognize their own kids voting in an election? And there's laws that require these special deputies that are supposed to go there as a pair and, like, oversee the nursing home and the people that want to vote and sort of make those decisions. But when you have elderly individuals who one court's already deemed that they can't, like, that they're, 
brain doesn't function the way it should. Right. How are they voting? I mean, why has nobody been held accountable for that? Or, or same with the illegal ballot harvesting. I posted videos of it on my Twitter, and it's a crime. So why are these people not being held accountable? Yeah, a, a friend of mine, um, an attorney from here in Arkansas, Sling County, Arkansas, Clint Lancaster, has been going up to Wisconsin and working with the special counsel up there who is a retired Arkansas uh, Supreme Court judge. And I think a lot of people in, in, in Wisconsin are, are calling for the state to decertify the, the 2020 uh, presidential election. I, you know, if they do that, I don't know what, what that does, but um, yeah, we, we hope they will be held accountable, but there's so many, um, irregularities in each of the five big swing states, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, that it is an outrage for me as an Arkansan to hear our U.S. Senator John Bozen running for election saying the election wasn't stolen, this is ridiculous, Trump should get over it, to hear U.S. Representative French Hill, who represents uh, the 2nd District, Central Arkansas, Little Rock Metro, say the idea of the landslide election by Donald Trump was... Uh, uh, was was stolen as a fiction and a fallacy, and his rhetoric leading up to January 6th is unforgivable. And then to see my opponent, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, endorse both of them. And people are like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sarah, you worked for Trump. Why are you endorsing these guys who say it's ridiculous to even think the election was stolen? Um, so, you know, I, I expect some fireworks uh, tonight in, in Hot Springs at the Save America Freedom Tour at, at – 6 p.m. Central. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, I, you know, I really appreciate journalists like you being on networks like Real America's uh, Voice where you're actually allowed to tell the truth because you're saying some things that I don't think anybody on Fox, with the possible exception of Tucker Carlson, would get away with. I mean, they, they lose their jobs. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, funny you mentioned Fox because in that lawsuit I, I mentioned earlier about the Dominion Machines, Dominion, right, like went and started suing a whole bunch of people, including like Fox News, Mike Lindell. I think there was in total like over a hundred businesses or individuals that they sued for defamation to try to keep quiet um, about like their voting machine. Yeah. Well, Fox News Network has now filed a motion to intervene in this federal lawsuit because they want access to the report that shows that those machines are highly explicable. And they want to use it in this billion-dollar defamation suit. So Dominion, like with all these lawsuits, are trying to sue people into silence, which is something we cannot allow to happen because that's how you're going to end up having your your First Amendment right like removed from you if you're afraid of, of litigation or, or this, that, or the other thing. But, but this is a real lawsuit that actually shows that those machines are compromised. And they're still used statewide in Georgia to this day. So one of the big things I'm trying to push for is allowing all 159 counties there to elect to use handmarked paper ballots going into these primaries. Yeah. But, you know, we need people like you in Arkansas because even though it's not one of the main five that they went after, rest assured their eyes are on other states. And they do it. It's sort of like a, it doesn't happen overnight. It's sort of one of those things where I feel like this has been something that has been you know, happening over the last eight years or more that, you know, you just, you have to watch your own counties at home 
on the very local levels because just as important as the the presidential race or the governor gubernatorial race, so are these election boards that are running the elections on the very bottom. Yeah, so I mean, we need to really keep our eyes peeled. There was a case in in Arkansas in 2020 because you're right. We tend to think about the election fraud in the the five big swing states that we mentioned: uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona. Possibly Nevada, the sixth swing state. But in in Arkansas, uh, there was a guy in the state House of Representatives, a guy named Jim Sorvillo, representing uh, West Little Rock, West Pulaski County, very conservative area, very red area, even though the rest of Pulaski County is blue. And in in an election year, 2020, with Donald Trump on the ballot, this guy Jim Sorvillo loses to a Democrat in a heavily red area, and he sued over it, but... um, didn't get anywhere, and it just makes you wonder, well, gee, wait a minute, maybe there's some election fraud going on in other states. Now, so i got to ask you about something, the idea of getting rid of the um, of the, the election machines and going back to paper ballots. Um, see, for mm-hmm. years I had always told my listeners on talk radio that the election machines are not hooked up, up to the Internet because that's what I'd always been told. And then after the election, you find out, oh, wait a minute, Dominion machines are hooked up to the Internet. And even ES&S, which is the uh, the company that does the machines in Arkansas, they are hooked up to the, the Internet. And so, obviously, the thing you want to do is go back to paper ballots. But then I think back to 1960, uh, when the Democrats stole the presidential election for JFK over Nixon because of uh, just the massive corruption with Mayor Daley in Chicago. And... Uh, you know, and obviously everything was paper ballots back then. We didn't have any election machines. So I don't know. I wonder, is there a way to have election machines that are not hooked up uh, to the Internet? Are, are paper ballots a way to go? This, this is something that, that I haven't really uh, landed on what the what the perfect solution is. I mean, I certainly think that there's always going to be the risk of fraud no matter what you do, but it is far easier to commit it when it's connected to the Internet because yeah. especially for the fact that, like, like one of the problems in Georgia, right, is the voting machine that's used. It prints out a QR code with the the you know written who you elected for on it. So, right. but when you when you skip when that QR code gets scanned, it reads that, not the little written part at the bottom. So you don't know that that QR code is programmed to accurately reflect the written word. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't read the written word. So, like, even if you were to audit. Right, like the the paper in that case, there's no way to know if what that QR code said matched it. And this is one thing that was brought up in that federal lawsuit where the judge was ruling it unconstitutional because the person who voted doesn't know what that QR code says. And so I think the fact that technology is advanced faster than the average person, I don't know how many times I've gone into an election office here in Georgia and the people actually on the election board have no idea how these machines are run. So part of the Dominion contract allows their technicians to basically be in each voting place to do the heavy lifting. I mean, it's like, well, now we, the people we elect or appoint to run our elections are not doing it. These technicians are. What really should have happened is, is there should have been before these machines were ever rolled out, 
there should have been a, a training where every single board member gets trained and then they're the ones that do the heavy lifting. Right. Because then they're accountable to the people. And, and so, like, when you then shift power over to Dominion, I can't FOIA request Dominion's emails to see, like, what they're talking about. It, like, it removes transparency and accountability when, every time that we, like, delegate power outside of our government. And so I just think handmark paper ballots for now until we find something more secure are the way to go. And there's absolutely no reason that those voting machines need to be connected to the Internet. Right, absolutely. But, you know, uh, if I recall correctly, Governor Kemp there in Georgia, since you mentioned Georgia, used to be Secretary Mm -hmm. of State of Georgia before he was governor, and the guy who was his chief of staff went to work for Dominion, and apparently, if I understand correctly, there was some kind of a a sweetheart deal there. So if I may paraphrase our... uh, our uh, favorite former president, Donald Trump, uh, we need to uh, bring this thing to a halt until we can figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I heard ultimately it was Brad Raffensperger that picked the Dominion machines, but that, like, obviously Kemp had some sort of influence over the recommendation, but that it wasn't ultimately decided by Kemp is what I've heard. Um but, you know, it's just, there's just a lot to unpack there. And, um, you know, we need people like you, people like David Perdue running. And um, hopefully you guys get in because, you know, the the country needs it right now. Because if we don't have our elections, we don't have anything. Exactly. Exactly. No, you're absolutely correct. That was uh, Heather Mullins, Real America's Voice. And we're looking forward to the Save America Freedom Tour coming to First Nazarene Church, Hot Springs, Arkansas, the Arkansas Town Hall, this evening at 6 p.m. Central. Doors open at 5.30. It would be a good idea to be there before 5.30. And and God bless her for putting up with my my technical difficulties right there at the end. I don't know what happened. No idea. All right. um, That having been said, that having been said, we are so thankful We are so thankful that we have wonderful advertisers who make it possible for us to do what we do every day here on the Doc Washburn Show. If you try to buy a car recently, realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including... Your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. 
If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No co-pays. Click the big red button. Schedule call now. Book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 503-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, got some breaking news here. Tom Fitton over Judicial Watch. Just 10 minutes ago, as we're doing this live at 1036 a.m. Central, Wednesday, April 
2022. The tweet says Fauci knew. Cover-up of a cover-up. Fauci agency knew China was hiding COVID data in early 2020. The slow rolling and stonewalling by Fauci's agency on China, gain of function, and its COVID response generally is pure obstruction. Here's Tom Fitton audio. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with the latest on Fauci's agency and the China COVID cover-up. We have new documents out of Fauci's agency that show top officials there knew China was withholding key information in the early days of COVID that could have helped America better prepare for the pandemic. Now, these documents have been hidden from us for two years, and it took a federal lawsuit to get these records finally out of Fauci's agency. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the cover-up. Oh, okay. Didn't know I was going to cut off, but um, yeah, I'm tired of the cover-up, too. Tired of the cover-up, too. And tired of hospitals refusing to treat people with COVID and watching them die. You know, admitting them and putting them on a ventilator and watching them die. And why do they do that? Money, money, money? Just following orders? Why do they do that? If you elect me governor of Arkansas, for those of our Arkansas listeners, there are going to be a lot of changes. There are a lot of changes. Okay, theepictimes.com. New article, 20 federal assets embedded at Capitol on January 6th, court filing says. Really? Joseph Hanneman over the EpicTimes.com has a story. At least 20 FBI and Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives assets were embedded around the U.S. Capitol January 6, 2021, a defense attorney wrote in a court filing on April 12th. The disclosure was made in a motion seeking to dismiss seditious conspiracy and obstruction charges against 10 Oath Keepers defendants in one of the most prominent January 6th criminal cases. David W. Fisher, attorney for Thomas E. Caldwell of Berryville, Virginia, filed a 41-page motion to dismiss four counts on behalf of all Oath Keepers case defendants before U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta in Washington, D.C. Now, Caldwell is charged in the indictment but is not a member of the Oath Keepers. A footnote on page 6 of the motion read, at least 20 FBI and ATF assets were embedded around the Capitol on January 6. No other details were provided in the document. The footnote said defense attorneys combed through a mountain of discovery, including FBI Form 302 summaries of interviews conducted by FBI agents. In addition to the information about law enforcement assets on the ground at the Capitol, the footnote says the Oath Keepers were being monitored and recorded prior to January 6. Pouring over evidence turned over in discovery by prosecutors in two major Oath Keepers cases has not found one iota of proof that defendants had any plan, intention, design, or scheme to specifically enter the Capitol building on January 6, according to the motion. Attorney Fisher told the Epic Times he cannot comment on the motion or provide more details on the footnote since the first arrests of January 6th defendants in early 2021. There's been extensive speculation and questions from attorneys, defendants, case observers, 
and members of Congress about the role law enforcement played that day. During a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on January 11th, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz grilled top officials on the subject. He asked Jill Sanborn, Executive Assistant Director of the FBI's National Security Branch, how many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sanborn said, sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Ted Cruz replied, did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sanborn said, sir, I can't answer that. Cruz said, did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? Sanborn replied, I can't answer that, sir. Jill Sanborn, Executive Assistant Director of the FBI's National Security Branch. You know, I go back to what Joe Kent, guy who's running for uh, Congress in Washington State, said this earlier this morning. He said the FBI must be held accountable or completely dismantled. The FBI let Antifa terrorists burn our cities and failed to prevent mass shootings because they were busy entrapping innocent Americans in Michigan and, for that matter, in Washington, D.C. We will hold them accountable via congressional oversight in 2023. Well, I hope he gets elected. I hope he gets elected. And you wonder. You wonder why I. uh, Don't trust the FBI. No way, no how. Uh, Vince Langman over in Twitter. Says, hey, FBI, if you can take a day off from tracking down every grandma that took a selfie in Washington, D.C., January 6, 2021, there's a real terrorist on the loose in New York City you might want to find. Yeah, maybe. By the way, UK Daily Mail says the uh, Brooklyn, New York subway shooting suspect was on the FBI's terrorist radar until they took him off in 2019. Wonder why that was. Wonder why that was. Yeah, this guy, this uh, this subway shooter, uh, was a big old racist. I say was, is. I'm sure he's still around. Matt Walsh, over the blaze, out there on Twitter, saying the subway suspect is a black supremacist. The Waukesha, Wisconsin killer who ran over a whole bunch of white folks in a Christmas parade a few months ago, killing six, is a black supremacist. The guy who tried to assassinate a mayoral candidate in Louisville, Kentucky, is a black supremacist. The man who murdered a Capitol police officer with his car was a black supremacist. So clearly white supremacy is the problem. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 
Comedian Tim Young out there on Twitter says, if a white guy commits a heinous crime, media outlets will publish everything down to his dental records and what Pokemon cards he's missing for a complete set. If anybody else does it, it's a nondescript person, but mainly the weapon's fault. See, what I'm wondering is why they immediately ruled out terrorism with a subway shooter in New York City. I mean, he happened to be a black guy who was all over social media for years, talking about how he hates folks that aren't black, big nation of Islam supporter, big Farrakhan worshiper. And most of his victims were Asian-American. So what's up? What's up? Kyle Becker over Becker News says the Brooklyn subway shooting suspect was known to the FBI as a potential terrorist until it stopped tracking him in 2019. The FBI has still not released the suspect's name or photos of him to the public. Well, this was yesterday, but they have now. They finally did. Unusual behavior for a manhunt. Julie Kelly, American Greatness, said FBI testified during trial the agency installed poll cameras and other surveillance devices around Governor Whitmer's vacation cottage. So she knew that was a big setup. She also said to Kyle Becker, sorry, FBI, we're very busy setting up the guy living in the cellar of a vacuum repair shop with no running water in Michigan. So they didn't have time to take care of this guy. Right? The great radio talk show's Jesse Kelly out of Houston talking about the uh, Brooklyn subway shooting suspect that was on the FBI's terror radar until 2019 said, People are dogging on the FBI for this, but resources are limited. You can't expect the FBI to dedicate manpower to tracking violent terrorists with a record while at the same time be able to police the garage pulls and NASCAR in Tuscaloosa. Bubba Wallace, right? Kyle Becker also asks, hey, how's the FBI investigation into the January 6th pipe bomb suspect coming along? I mean, you only have surveillance video at a location so sensitive, DNC headquarters. The vice president-elect Kamala Harris was there hours earlier. No hot leads? Well, good luck. Good luck with hunting down the MAGA grandmas that were the capital. Wow, man. Wow. I got to tell you. The FBI is totally corrupt. It needs to be dismantled. New York Governor Kathy Hochul said, no more mass shootings, no more disrespecting lives, no more creating heartbreak for people just trying to live their lives as normal New Yorkers. It has to end. It ends now. Kurt Schlichter's response, the great Colonel Kurt Schlichter, says, are you going to conduct mass arrests of Black Lives Matter criminals? No. No. Not a chance. So Toure, the um, one of the commentators over at MSNBC, texted out yesterday, 
Police say the suspect is a male black. And then he says, damn, damn, damn. The great Noam Bloom responded, I too am upset when a mass shooting isn't useful to my race war fetishism. Isn't that crazy? See, they're trying to they're trying to divide us, depending upon how much melanin you or I have. Don't let them. Don't let them. Somebody else on Twitter said, "Anytime I read the words known by the FBI, I assume the FBI planned it." I will not believe any other explanation. That's it. That's the tweet. Well, you know, I, I I go back a few years to the uh, Draw Muhammad contest. Y'all remember that? The Draw Muhammad contest in Garland, Texas. My friend uh, Robert Spencer put it on. Back in 2015, the Curtis Colwell Center in Garland, Texas. Yeah. Um, Pamela Geller and Robert Spencer. So there were a couple of jihad guys who traveled all the way from Phoenix, Arizona to Garland, Texas to retaliate. And they jumped out of their cars when they got there shooting. And fortunately, an off-duty policeman who was had been hired to do security took them down. Elton Simpson and Nadir Sufi. But see, the FBI knew it was going to happen. There was an FBI agent in a car trailing these guys, and he did nothing, nothing to try to stop it. Now, in my mind, that FBI agent and anyone supervising him who knew it was going to happen didn't try to stop it should have been... uh, Brought up in charges. I know the injured security guard filed a lawsuit against the FBI in October 2017, claiming they were partially responsible for his injuries, and indeed they were. I don't know, you know, what happened with that lawsuit. Oh, it was dismissed. U.S. District Court Judge Karen Grin Scholler dismissed the lawsuit from security guard Bruce Joyner. In her opinion, Judge Scholler wrote, the court finds that the conduct alleged by plaintiff falls within the scope of the discretionary authority conferred on the FBI by the Undercover Guidelines and Domestic Investigations and Operations Guide. Oh, so you can just let it happen. You can just let people get killed. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that the FBI, under the Undercover Guidelines and Domestic Investigations, and Domestic Investigations and Operations Guide has the discretion to just watch other people get killed. Who knew? 
Maybe that needs to be changed. Maybe that needs to be changed. Wow. It's a real... It's a real shame that so many people get away with so much stuff. It's a crying shame. No, no, I got more. I got more. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton, make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas... Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, I'd like to help you out with some health issues, if I could. So let me ask you something. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? How about back pain? Acid reflux? Hay fever? Problems with your blood sugar. Okay, now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Do you lean to the left or the right instead of standing up or sitting up straight? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, my neck pain, my hay fever. Let me tell you how it works because this is the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas, that C1 bone, to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, your circulatory system, your reproductive system, yes, even your digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, hay fever, acid reflux, problems with your blood sugar even. Do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Over Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. Or if you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on the tab which says, Find a Doctor Near You. And I hope there is one.
All right, very good, very good. Now, it's that part of the show that I love so much. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door no matter where you live in the continental U.S. Okay, today's tweet of the day was treated out by a fellow named Jeremy Wayne Tate. Jeremy Wayne Tate. He is the CEO of the Classic Learning Test, the new alternative to the SAT or ACT test. Jeremy Wayne Tate, tweet of the day, says, Since its unconstitutional creation in 1980, the Department of Education has spent well over one trillion dollars of taxpayers' money, and every objective metric indicates academic decline. The Department of Education crowds out local involvement and hurts children. Get rid of it. Great job, Jeremy Wayne Tate, on today's Tweet of the Day, brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. All right, now, Having said that, having said that, still, still, still so much to talk about here on the Doc Washburn Show. I got to tell you, let me take a look over here at American greatness. Let's, let's drill down a little bit on the suspect on the New York subway. Deborah Hine, American Greatness, says a suspect in the Tuesday mass shooting in a Brooklyn subway station was previously known to the FBI, having been entered into the Guardian lead system in New Mexico. According to a federal law enforcement source in Newsweek magazine, the Bureau reportedly used the system to, quote, coordinate information from other law enforcement partners about potential terrorism-related threats and suspicious activity reports, unquote. The suspect was apparently cleared after multiple interviews in 2019. Another quote. The federal law enforcement source said that he was believed to have driven to New York from New Mexico and that authorities were on the lookout for a U-Haul van with Arizona plates and the number AL31408. The van was later found at Kings Highway and West 3rd Street in nearby Bensonhurst, according to the federal law enforcement source and the NYPD official, unquote. Now, the NYPD have identified a person of interest named Frank James. But stress they have not confirmed that James has a connection to the attack, according to Brooklyn News 12. Perpetrator fled the scene following the rampage. Tuesday morning, the gunman, wearing a gas mask and construction vest, set off a smoke grenade and fired a barrage of bullets, shooting at least 10 people, five of whom were in critical but stable condition, 
Tuesday night. Authorities say at least 28 people were injured during the attack. You know, we talk about lone wolves, but all too often we find out it's a known wolf. It's a known wolf. Not just a lone wolf. The guy's all over YouTube saying I wanted to kill people. Says I wanted to watch people die right in front of my face. On an unrelated note, Nellie Corda, the number two female golf player in the world, has been forced to stop competing due to blood clots at the age of 23. By the way, did I mention she's also vaccinated? It's going to be a reckoning, y'all. It's going to be a reckoning on what they did to all of us. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to be a reckoning. Back to the uh, alleged Brooklyn shooter. Saw this on Facebook. Pardon me, on Twitter. So an FBI asset rents a U-Haul in his own name, drives to New York, drops an IED, shoots a bunch of people without killing anybody, magically picks the one train where all the cameras don't work, and manages to drop his gun, his credit card, and the key to his truck. Really? Really? It's messed up, y'all. His show is messed up. All right, want to see y'all at 6 p.m. Central, the Save America Freedom Tour, First Nazarene Church, Hot Springs, Arkansas, Wednesday evening for America's, for a, a Real America's Voice, Arkansas Town Hall. I'm going to be out there. Ben Burkwam, Jeremy Harrell, Heather Mullins from Real America's Voice will be there. Jan Morgan, our next U.S. Senator. Judge Joseph Wood. Is running for lieutenant governor, Senator Alan Clark, Pastor Iverson Jackson, Pastor Ken Carney. We're looking forward to it. Hope to see you all there. You've been listening to episode 128 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers. But they love us, and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the 10th. And that's the way it is. Wednesday, April 13th, 2022.